0: Mormon book reviews where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I am your host, Stephen Pinecker, and I'm very excited about the guest that I'm having on today. His name is Stephen Horn, and he reached out to me because he has a very unique story. Uh, Stephen was raised in the Church of Jesus, or was, were you raised in the Church of Jesus Christ? Yes, I
1: was. In fact, I'm a descendant of Mormon pioneers on That's every right. line of my family tree.
0: Yeah. So you go way back, and you would, and what, but what makes your story so interesting and what immediately got you booked on this program was. <laughs> Steve, I became a born again Christian reading the Book of Mormon. I said, "Okay, that's the you book yourself." <laughs> <laughs> All right. What an interesting story you have to tell. So, Stephen, uh, welcome to the program.
1: I'm glad to be here. Um, and I, I thought I'd just tell you I, I'm a descendant of Joseph and Isabella Horn. Joseph uh, Horn was converted. Uh, he was a friend of John Taylor and was converted to Mormonism in the home of John Taylor in Canada by Parley P. Pratt. And he was in a leader of one of the wagon trains it was the first wagon train to enter the Valley. And he and his wife actually wrote some of the, you'll, you'll find in history books, their description of the first year in the Valley is often used in history books. So I'm steeped culturally and family tradition in the LDS church, obviously.
0: Yeah. And fact, I, I just find, you know, we, you and I have had a couple of sessions where we talked to each other. We've been kind of, yeah. uh, little difficult uh, scheduling things because we have both been so busy but I really felt it was important for you to come on the program to tell your story and um I think before we get to how you became a born again Christian reading the book of Mormon I'd like for you just to maybe tell a little bit about your your journey uh that you've been on your your what what um your just your faith background uh, did you serve a mission and maybe just give us a little little backstory
1: sure I I uh, obviously grew up in a, a family that was very Mormon. We had a, a, a family reunion every July 10th in the Horn family commemorating a miracle that took place in the late 1890s, where my great uncle Arthur had uh, uh, three visions uh, concerning uh, healing his uh, older sister Elizabeth, who had been sick for a long time, and uh had been blessed by general authorities and other people and still hadn't been healed. And um, he, uh, one day she was talking about dying and he just said, Liz, you're not going to die. God's going to heal you. In fact, he's going to heal you tomorrow. And then he goes, what did I just say? You know, and when he prayed about it that night, he had three visions. And uh, uh, one of them was, he was shown in a vision, him. Uh, going into the house and taking his sister by the hand and commanding her in the name of Jesus to be made whole, and she was. And he was only 14. He was a deacon in the LDS church. And um, the uh, one of the instructions of the angel that appeared to him was that the family was supposed to commemorate this miracle every July 10th to keep everybody f- strong in the faith. And uh, so very I grew up with this idea of miracles, the idea of, you know, Divine revelation, all that sort of thing. And, and when I was a teenager and I read the New Testament, two things stuck struck out to me. One was, um, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether I speak of my, you know, whether it be God or whether I speak of myself. And I thought, well okay, well, the way to test this is to try to live it, right? to see to see if it actually works because if I live it, I'll find out if it's from God or if it's not. And also, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So I actually tried to implement the things in the Sermon on the Mount, to forgive people, to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile. And so I started that one in my teens and became convinced that, that that Jesus was the Christ. Um, and so I was known as what you might call a goody goody. <laughs> no, I was I was the good kid. I was the kid who in who in the priest quorum the instructor said to me would you stop raising your hand to answer the questions because you already know all the answers just what the other kids have
0: <laughs> well, well I, I just have a quick question for you because this i i want to get back to and we'll continue with your story but this 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 family reunion every july 10th um and this miracle that happened um uh, is this is this documented in any like um writings books uh journals uh are there well,
1: yeah we it? have it i have uh, it written down i have written uh, explanations of it. In fact, we did one time a, a video reenact of it where I played my my uh, great grandfather, grew out my beard, played my great grandfather, uh, who uh, was the father of these two kids. Wow. Uh, it, it, so it, I, that that kind of thing was deep to me. I, that might be an interesting thing. I, I, I can just briefly tell you the story. So the visions were that the first uh, vision was he saw um, his family encircled by a pillar of light, and Satan and his angels were around them trying to get to them. And Elizabeth was in the center, and a light came down within the other light and rested on her head. And one of his brothers stuck his elbow out of the light, and the demons grabbed hold of him and tried to pull him out, and the rest of the family grabbed him and pulled him back in. And he said the interpretation was given immediately. The light was faith. And as long as they had faith in Christ, they were protected from the wiles of the adversary. But when anyone, any of them, began to doubt, Satan had power over them. Then that faded, and um, he was an angel appeared to him. Okay, and the angel told him that he was going to be an instrument in the hands of God in uh, healing his sister Elizabeth. That he must never take credit for it because it would be done by the power of God and not by him and uh, about the commemoration that the family was supposed to remember this day and so forth. And then he had a vision where he saw my grandfather and my great-grandfather, who were up in the mountains gathering wood, coming back on the wagon. And he ran out and he said, Father, does the deacon have authority to rebuke his disease? And his father said yes. Then he went to go back in the house and Satan stood in the doorway (laughs) trying to block him. And he managed to duck past him and took his sister by the hand and and killed her. Okay, so he told these visions to his family the next morning and and everybody believed him. But his brother, John, the one who stuck the elbow out. So the mother convinced them they should all fast and pray that day for the for the this to come to pass. So. Just as in the vision that it had been cloudy, the light broke, he saw his dad and uh, older brother coming back from the canyon. But when he went out to to tell his dad, you know, can a deacon have authority to rebuke disease, his dad chastised him for not clearing the space for the wood. <laughs> sure. So he went and cleared the space for the wood, and then he began to doubt. You know, was this a true vision? Blah, blah, blah. It didn't happen exactly the way I saw it in the vision. But he decided to go into the kitchen and ask his father. And his father said, I, you know, does a deacon have authority to rebuke disease? And his father said, yes, as if it becomes necessary. Then he went and healed his sister. And that's the cool. story. And she was immediately healed, you know. And uh, it was a an incredible uh, story, you know. Grew up and I had relatives who would tell stories of miraculous healings or, or spiritual experiences they'd had, you know, on the family reunion. So I just grew up with all of that, and um, you know, and, well, and I believe
0: story. And 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 you said you guys made a video. Is it available on YouTube?
1: No, unfortunately, I don't. I've been unable to find anybody who still has a copy of it, which was sad. sad. But I do have written written accounts of the the story in my uh, family history.
0: Wow. Wow. That's great. Well, let's get back to your story then. Uh, You said that you were the one that was always raising your hands and like, okay, you know everything. Don't raise your hands all this. So talk a little. Let's go back to that track.
1: Well, yeah, but what I were going to is, I when I went on a mission for the LDS Church, I thought I was going to send, be sent to some exotic place, and I got sent to Southern California. Um, anyway, about halfway through my mission, we had a correlation meeting between the stake missionaries and the full-time missionaries, and the stake mission president started to organize the meeting like any you know ordinary meeting, and then all of a sudden he stopped, and he just said, "Brethren, have." You ever told someone after you baptized them, happy birthday, how does it feel to be forgiven of your sins? And a lot of us, I don't remember if I did, but a lot of people raise their hand. And he says, brother, and you're teaching false doctrine. And then he, he turned to the account in the New Testament where Nicodemus comes at night and he says, Uh, Except a man be be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And except he be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He says Jesus is not repeating himself. He's talking about two different experiences. You have to have a spiritual rebirth to, to see the kingdom of God. That is, to believe in the kingdom of God, to have a testimony of Christ. But you have to be born of water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. And what is this being born of the Spirit? And then he, he turned to the Book of Mormon, to Enos, where, you know, Enos says, I was raised, you know, by good parents. They taught me to, you know, to do the right things. But as I went to hunt beasts in the forest, my soul hungered. And I cried down to my Maker and all the day long, and into the night he cried. And then he heard a voice saying, Enos, thy sins are forgiven. Says, so Do you think Enos was raised by good parents who taught him the right way and taught him about Christ or whatever? That he believed, but there was something missing. Understand? Yeah, he had to be spiritual. Then he, then he goes to Alma, where Alma goes and, and out to preach to the church, and he says, um, I ask you, my brethren of the church, have you spiritually been born of God? This is if being baptized and being confirmed made you spiritually born of God, what would be the point of the question? Okay? And, and, and then he says, And if you have been born as spirit and you have felt these things, can you feel them now? Or have you lost it? Do you need to, to repent and get back in, in the right way with God? And then he turned to third Nephi, where Jesus says, you baptize them with water, I'll baptize them with fire and the Holy Ghost. And back to New Testament, you know, there one comes after me who will baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost. He says, and then he goes to the keeper of the gate is the Holy One of Israel. He employs no servant there. He can't be deceived. He's the one who administers the ordinance of baptism, fire, and the Holy Ghost. And then he started to talk about the, the all that of the mighty change of heart, receiving or remission of your sins, having peace of conscience, being filled with the love of God, describing all these people, you know, in the, all these things, things in the Book of Mormon particularly that describe this experience of what it's like to be spiritually born of God. And then he ends with, at the end of this, after just unfolding all these scriptures, and I'm going like, I've lived in church all my life. Nobody's ever taught me this.
0: Hmm.
1: No, Nobody's ever explained to me that when you are confirmed, they said, receive the Holy Ghost. They didn't say, we give you the Holy Ghost. They said, they gave you an, a commandment. Hmm. You need to receive the Holy Ghost, <laughs> right? It's something you need to do, okay? and um. And then he said, do you want to know how? You could know if you've received a remission of your sins. I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. Okay. He says, as Jesus told you, he's forgiven you of your sins. (laughs) He says, now I don't mean that you've heard an audible voice or anything, but has the Spirit come and testified to you that your sins are forgiven and you've had peace of conscience? You don't feel guilty anymore. You feel this. This piece of, of Christ's love. And then he then he said the other thing which really blew me away, because I've been raised in this church with the idea of repenting and striving to be improve yourself and all that kind of thing. And he says, I challenge you to find one place in the scripture where Jesus forgives sin in the singular. Mm. It's all or nothing. It's just he he wipes everything clean. He doesn't even forgive you one sin at a time, he wipes everything clean. And I knew I had never experienced that. And all of this, you know, growing up, trying to be a good person, trying to follow Jesus, believing he was the savior. I had never been born again. Hmm. Not. And so for about three weeks, I, I prayed about this, whatever. And I got to a point where something happened to me that humiliated me. And that's when I got really, really humble. <laughs> and I basically thought, I'm tired of you know having other people tell me what god wants me to do you know i want to know for myself i want to know what god wants me to do you know and i and i basically said god i'll do anything i'll give up anything i'll do anything but i need to know it's you telling me not some other human being telling me and i want to know for myself will you please have mercy on me and apply the atoning blood of jesus christ and forgive me of my sins and fill me with holy spirit and I had this experience of just feeling like this, you know, fire and warmth and love just poured all through my entire being. And I heard a, a voice, a still small voice, a spiritual voice, said, Stephen, your sins are forgiven you. Walk humbly, diligently, and prayerfully before me, and you shall be blessed. And at, at that point, for the next 15 minutes, I carried on a conversation with God. I asked him questions, he answered me. He asked me questions, I answered him. We mm-hmm. talked through the Spirit, and my life has never been the same since. Because, and, and that was because of what the Book of Mormon taught that I needed to receive a remission of my sins. I needed to be born of the Spirit. And I realized it wasn't this mechanical thing, this earthly thing. It was a spiritual experience that you had to have that connected you with God. And um, I like to tell people that you know there there there's people who argue about the existence of god and the apologetics and all that kind of stuff but i would say god can prove he exists if you let him okay uh, and, and one of the examples i like to use is i started experiencing all these things where the spirit would guide me to do things so when i was at college at byu i remember one day i'm, I'm walking home from campus and the spirit says go over to the home of these two girls I'd known on my mission. Welcome. I'm a guy. Sure. <laughs> Sounds like fun. I'll go over there. Knocked on the door. They had someone there who was asking them very tough questions about the church, about spiritual things. And they go, oh, we're so glad you came. Can you help us? And so I tried to answer this guy's questions as best I could and whatever. And then he left and they said, oh, we're so glad you came by just at the right time. And I thought, Oh, that was pretty cool. So I'm leaving their apartment, walking home, and I'm almost to my apartment. And the spirit says, Go visit the apartment of Yvette Walrath. And I go, Well, it's 10:15, and the rules say we can't visit the apartments of people after the after of the opposite sex after 10 o'clock. So I, said, I don't care. <laughs> go visit Yvette Walrath. And I mean it's it's that clear. And I and I remember, I think, okay, I'll walk by. If the light's on, I'll knock on the door. Light was on. I knocked on the door. This uh, girl opens the door. Her whole face is smeared with tears, mascara. And she goes, Oh, thank you for coming. I've been praying for God to send someone to help me. She, I don't remember what it was, but she'd had the news like someone in her family had died or something like that. And she was devastated, heartbroken, and praying. God, please send someone to help me because I don't know what to do. Okay. Now, now you could say, okay, maybe one experience like that is a coincidence. But what happens when that happens dozens and dozens of times? When God directs you into certain places to be at the right place at the right time to help people. And see, this is where I started to understand what the difference, the whole idea of works and grace, okay? Because um, when we try to do works, okay, our as Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, our motivations are not always pure. You know, we 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 do things because we want to be accepted by other people, because we want to feel like we're good people, because we want to, you know, to people in church to accept us, like us think well of us, you know, there's all kinds of things that we may not even be aware of, but they're kind of hidden motivations in what we do that we think we're doing good in the world, right? But the real works are not done by you. They're done by God working through you. He's the one doing it, not you. It's 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 the metaphor because all these see this this opened up all these scriptural understandings to me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. You want to bear fruit, you got to be grafted into me because the spirit is the life-giving love and sap that comes from God that allows you to do good works, but it's really Jesus doing good works through you, not you doing it. You can't take credit for it. You can't. And that's why if you go into the Book of Mormon in Moroni the very end, he enumerates the gifts of the Spirit. And then he says something very interesting. He says, Woe unto the children of men if these gifts are done away with. For there is no salvation come unto them. For if there is one that does good among you, he shall work by the power and gifts of God. The only way to do good is to work by the gifts of the Spirit by God working through us. Understand? And that's what I, I came to understand. And God led me into doing this um, work to help people heal emotionally. I was kind of drug into it, <laughs> you know, not even knowing or understanding what I, was, what I was doing, but God just telling me, do this, do that, do this, whatever, and, and just bringing people to me that he wanted to help. And one of the things that was really interesting is, on my mission, someone gave me as I was going on my mission a thing of teaching with the Prophet Joseph Smith, and as I was just thumbing through it, I found this quote where he said that if it has been demonstrated, I am willing to die in defense of the Latter Day Saints. Let me see it be so bold as state before heaven that I am willing to die in defense of a good Methodist, a good Catholic, a good Protestant, or anyone of any denomination who is too weak to defend themselves. Christians should cease wrangling with each other and cultivate the spirit of love and friendship in their midst. And another occasion he says, if I can't if if, if, I, if his desire was to lift mankind and if he couldn't do it by convincing them in his way was better, he would lift them in their own way. And I wrote those things on a card and carried it around my pocket as a mission. And when I started to do emotional healing work, I worked with people of all different faiths. Jehovah's Witness, Baptists, you know, Mormons, everybody. And I worked within the confines of where they were at. Understand? God said, it's not your purpose to heal them. So so and when I started doing this, I did a I had done this a few times and had some really interesting experiences. And then I I decided I needed to do something. Because there was before, something, yeah. I, This
0: is really fascinating to me. And before we get into like the emotional healing aspect, I just want all my evangelical listeners, viewers, especially those from the Charismatic Renewal and Pentecostal movements, and also to tell me if what what Stephen had just announced told us about his experiences, his born-again experience, his being led by the Spirit, um, and the scriptures that he quoted both within the Bible and the Book of Mormon, I, I want to ask you: How does he? Is this sound pretty sound to you? Is it to me? I'm hearing this, and it sounds like pretty solid doctrine that most people, from my persuasion, would be. Would would be in agreement with you, and what I find so fascinating is if you were just quoted from the Bible, they'd be saying Amen, Amen, Amen. <laughs> but, but then you throw in the Book of Mormon, and then you throw in the the, the 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 some of the teachings of Joseph Smith. That's that. But even that, even though if you didn't say they were from the Book of Mormon, and if you didn't say they were from Joseph Smith, they would be saying Amen, Amen, Amen.
1: Yeah. Well, I when I, I was a stake missionary at one time, and I actually. Went to a meeting with some evangelical Christians who were really, you know, attacking me in the Mormon church or whatever. And finally, I just bore my testimony of Christ, told them of my experience of being born again, and and some of the things that God had done done for me in my life. And they looked at each other and said, it sounds like he's been born again. <laughs> 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 you know? And I but I but I I started to stop seeing this division between people because okay, so I had someone who'd been working with me do a session on me. And I, I when I when I went inside, what I f- encountered inside myself was this feeling growing up that I would never be good enough. Because my parents were always very critical and pointing out everything you did wrong and trying to direct you into, you know, being the perfect little kid or whatever. Uh, and I and I started to cry. And we had this thing we would do say, look for the light, look for the light in this, this thing you're feeling. It was kind of like a metaphor for look to look to God, right? Okay. And when I looked to the light, I I I went into the light, and there was Jesus standing by this beautiful glowing tree, which I later realized was the tree of life. And he said, Stephen, why are you weeping? And I said, Because I'll never be good enough. And he said, whoever gave you a stupid idea like that, don't you know that I love you? And I was immediately awash in this love people describe in near-death experiences, this perfect, total, all-accepting love that just loved me for who I was, wanted the best for me. And not only did I realize he loved me that way, I realized he loved every other person on the earth that way. And then he said, and don't you know that I know, and I'm, I'm really trying to imitate the way he did this to me, and don't you know that I know everything about you? <laughs> <laughs> and in my mind, the scroll rolled down with all the things I, sins and weaknesses I beat myself up for, and I was cringing, and then suddenly I looked back at him and said, so if I don't care, why why do you? And then he said, Seriously, Stephen, the reason why people commit sin as it is called is because they are cut off from this love. They're lost, they're alone, they're hurting, they're in pain, and they're acting out of that place. And you can't cure darkness with darkness. And the tools of darkness are shame, fear, guilt, and blame. You cure darkness with light, and the light that cures the darkness of this world is love that you're standing in right now. So lead people to this love. Lead people to me so I can heal them with this love. That's that's when I really launched into trying to do what I call emotional healing work because I've because and trying to lift people from wherever they were at to lead them to Jesus' love. And One of the experiences I really like, because it kind of illustrates kind of the thing that I had, is I was doing a class teaching people about this, and the last person was someone who was a a Christian, okay? And and when she went into this, you know, meditative state and was going around in her mind, she was running around in the darkness looking for the light. When I said to her, stop looking for the light. What is going on in this darkness? Stop. What, what is happening here? And all of a sudden she goes, I, I don't know who I am. I'm busy, busy, busy running around all the kids because, I don't, because I'm, I'm scared to look inside because I, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I am. I'm just running away from myself all the time. And so for the next 15 minutes, she's trying to process this. And the time for the class was ending and we had to you know leave. So I, I had to say, okay, keep working on this. You know, ask God to help you with this, so forth. We were dropped off at the airport at the same time the next day. We'll take the airport at the same time. And the Spirit suddenly said to me as we were saying goodbye, you know, tell her. And I said, just remember, be still and know that I am God. So about a week or two later, I get this letter from her. She says, I went on the plane. I remembered what you said. I closed my eyes, I quieted my mind, and I had a vision. And I saw Jesus. And he said, and I said to him, who am I? And he said, you're a child of God. Now, here's what's interesting. For the 15 minutes she's running around in darkness, all I'm thinking is, the answer to her question is, you're a child of God. But see, God told me, don't give them the answers. Let me give them the answers. Because if I had said it, it would have been what? Just words. Mm -hmm. She had to get the the feel of it, the sense of it, the connection to God, the the real meaning behind that. See, the natural man knows not the things of the spiritual God because they're foolishness to him because he's never experienced them. Until you experience them, you don't really understand what the words are talking about, right? You have to experience it. This is the thing I keep wanting to tell people. You have to go to God and get the experience of having a relationship with him. Let him teach you. Let him fill you with his love. Let him use you as an instrument to help other people. Then you'll really start to understand what Scripture is all about. But until then, you're just intellectually resting with scriptures based on your limited moral understanding. And, and, and I saw people of Mormons, Baptists, all these different people have these spiritual encounters. When they went through the process of really getting tr- truly recognizing the pain and suffering and problems they were going through, and then I could persuade them to look to the light, to turn to God, to try to seek his help in dealing with it that's when they would have the experience. Just like me, you have to get down to the point where you really know you need God, where, where, you, where you really are to the point where you're willing to say, look, I'm a mess, right? I need help. I can't do this myself. As long as you think you can do it yourself, the gate's closed, right? But when it's when you realize how much you need Him and are, are ready to say, you know, help me, help me, I'm, I'm, I'm lost, I'm alone, I'm hurting, I'm afraid, then he can open the door and say, I love you, here I am. But if he opened the door before then, you'd think that you'd earned it. You'd think it was something that you deserved, and you couldn't receive it for the gift that it is, because everything God does is by gift. And you can't receive a gift if you think you've earned it. So is that good Christian doctrine or not?
0: Well, you know, I just think that, I mean, I want my audience to tell me what you think about Stephen Horn. Is he a born-again Christian? I I think that's an interesting (laughs) question that you need to ponder because I hear a lot of gospel truth uh, that you're talking about. And, you know, it's so fascinating to me, Stephen, is that, you know, when I, right before this whole channel thing happened, I had a few spiritual experiences uh, where I was basically self-described atheist agnostic. One was watching an episode of Mormon Stories where my friend Christopher Thomas, the Pentecostal minister, uh, Pentecostal theologian, was being interviewed by John, and I tell people in part three, uh, church service breaks out. And in one sense, Christopher was ministering to John DeLynn, but he was also ministering to me, because it was that first little prodding, the kind of. Pushed me back into thinking, like, well, maybe I can find a way back, right? And then when COVID happened, I see—I live in a Christian community, and I see a bunch of people who are afraid, and they're saying all these crazy things that are going on, and they're—it's and they're, like, it's like, wait a second, here, wait. I was always taught that we as Christians, in in times of tribulation, would have a peace that surpasseth all understanding. I remember watching those old movies from the 1950s where the Christians were about ready to be fed to the lions and they're marching, singing hymns.
1: Yeah, right, of course. <laughs> and- well, it's like the the whole Book of Mormon starts off with, I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, therefore I was taught this thing, and having seen many tribulations in the course of my days, yet having been highly favored of the Lord all my days. So in other words... You can walk through all kinds of tribulations, but if you have the Spirit of the Lord with you, you have peace. He helps you through everything. everything well, that, that they' thrown your way, He helps you with it.
0: and, that, and, I, that's, and I, <laughs> well, that's the thing too. This is why I find so interesting is that you know, when right before I started this channel and started this whole journey that I was on, this is part of my spiritual journey, too. I would say I'm a much different person now than the first day that I started taping because the lord and i I was starting to change before I even taped my very first episode. And the Lord told, gave me some principles to operate under and one of them was where there's fear, I'm not there and I thought, okay that's 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 solid I A like fear
1: is so, one of the tools of darkness
0: exactly that's <laughs> right so I was like, okay and 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 then he just he just said, you know don't worry about what you're going to say because they're going to hear you say things you didn't even say so the Lord said, okay and then and this is the other <laughs> And then, then he also one of the other things that I've talked about this in, in other podcasts is is that it's the work he's doing within us. It's 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 the, that's the work. Yes, right? it is. And so and so basically, God just basically gave me these principles to operate under when I started the channel. I haven't heard from him since. It's oh, like yeah. he just said, he just said, "Okay, you go." And I'm like, "All right." And so I've just been on this journey, and I've just literally been following the Spirit the whole time. And yeah. the Lord has opened up all these doors. I literally. Don't have any doors shut on me all the doors are open and it's and it's there's there's very little effort on my part it's almost like the lord just laid everything out for me and i feel that's because i'm operating look i'm not trying to brag and i understand look i i, I suffered terrible depression for a very long time so <laughs> i know what it's like to be in darkness okay and right so I'm yeah to, i'm not trying to say hey look at me i'm some spirit. So i am not superior to anybody spiritually or anything but the lord has done a work in my life and when i'm hearing you tell your story I, I hear there's things that are resonating with me.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm I certainly am not some kind of uh, ideal. I've been uh, divorced four times. <laughs> I've had I've had all kinds of you know difficult experiences. Made all kinds of mistakes in my life. But you know, God turns everything for your good. You know, in the end, if you just keep turning to him, relying on him. Now I have a really good wife, you know. Um, But uh, I wanted to tell you about leaving the church. Yeah, let's talk about that.
0: Um, And I had specifically asked you not to tell me your story because I wanted to hear it for the first time when I was taking with you. And so let's tell me where this journey has taken you and in the course that you've you've gone on in leaving the church.
1: Well, I I had this spiritual experience in which I just went – into this light, it was like a, it was like unbelievably bright. The, you know, uh, scripture talks about this unapproachable light of God, right? And, and, and I, I realized I was encountering the glory of the father and what the spirit communicated to me. And this is where it's interesting because it's. Hard to explain this because you, if you experience this and it's like this holistic thing that happens in an instant and you try to sit and how to figure out, put it in words. But I saw that all religious rituals, all teachings of anybody who had any uh, true encounter with God, were all trying to point the way to this inward journey to the glory of the father and the the light within the temple where the temple, right? So, so in the middle of the temple is what the place where God dwells, right? So, uh, and and, I, it's like, I saw the meaning of all these different things, you know, and I realized that what happens is people, because they're materialistic in their mind, they start worshiping the teacher. They start worshiping the written words of the teachers or the, revelations of the teachers or whatever but they never do what it is pointing to they never go to god for themselves and that's was what was creating all this division and all this you know factions arguing with each other about who's right you know and so then i started questioning and then then god said to me you don't need all this stuff anymore you just need to follow me you don't you don't need to worry about that so i started questioning everything in the, in my faith and god says well that symbolizes this and that symbolizes this and that symbolizes this but you don't need the symbol you have the reality <laughs> <laughs> so i was really questioning my faith and finally i had a dream and in my dream and this is the irony, i have to say jesus has a sense of humor because most of my encounters he has teased me in some way you know had this like humorous element to the encounter that shows this kind of light loving person not this somber you know whatever but i was in a bishop's office and jesus was sitting in the bishop's chair interviewing me like they do in the mormon church you know for a word of things but he only asked me one question he says stephen what is my gospel and i and i started quoting all these book of mormon scriptures like i've (laughs) been been telling you and all this stuff that I was taught by the stake missionary years before. And he stopped me and he says, you're right. So why do you still go to the Mormon church? And I said, well, I thought it was your church. And then he said to me, then he quoted the Book of Mormon back to me and he says, how be it my church, save it be called in my name? And if it be called in my name, it is my church. If it so be, it is built upon my gospel. Now, when was the last time you heard what you're explaining to me taught in the Mormon church? I said, well, the stick measurement has taught me blah, blah, blah. And I started to think of, was there other kinds? he says, my point exactly. He says, so I want you to leave the Mormon church, and I want you to stand as an independent witness that the principles of my gospel function outside of all earthly institutions and priesthoods, that I am the keeper of the gate. I employ no servant there, and I have the power to save anyone who calls on my name. And then he went on to say, my true church is all those who have surrendered their hearts to me, and that church is invisible invisible. Unless the Spirit reveals it, you don't know who belongs to my church and who doesn't belong to my church. And I have my people in all the different religions because they are the salt of the earth and the light that is helping to lift the people around them. And I leave them where they are with their with their understanding so that they can be a light and help to the people in that particular institution or situation. Now that's really an interesting perspective isn't it
0: Yeah it's very interesting now I guess I asked the question for my evangelical audience now I have a question I want those of you who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints well how do you respond to what he just uh, told you, told me um I'm still digesting it because this is the first time I've heard this and this is a very fascinating uh, thing because again you're employing all the tools that we as Christians especially people within the charismatic renewal movement uh, people within the restoration movement, you're employing the very tools that are told you you should utilize in order to and you know have these encounters to have visions and to have these personal experiences. There's nothing unscriptural about your what you're doing and it's also not foreign to the restoration.
1: No. In fact that's why why I think that the best way to teach evangelical Christians attitude to Mormon is Mormons is to use the Book of Mormon. Right. Because that's that's where you can really, if you really op- unfold the Book of Mormon to them, the church isn't going to save them. Jesus is going to save them. It 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 it's them going to Jesus and receiving remission of their sins and humbling themselves before Him, and truly being born again. That 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 as the stake mission president explains, that's the gate to the straight and narrow path. You haven't had that. You aren't even on the path. <laughs> huh. We're still on the wide path that leads to destruction. Um get into that. But it's it it's it's interesting to me. It's been a but it's been an awkward place because here I am. I was brought to Christ by the Book of Mormon, right? So I under I I but I but I feel a lot like evangelical Christians, but then I go to an evangelical church and hear them say bad things about Mormons and blah blah blah, and then I go. You know, and then realize the Mormon Church is never going to accept me because you know I, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking where do I belong? Right. So I just try to help everybody, yeah, love everybody because after I was after I was outside of the church, the a lot of my former friends you know disowned me and stuff, and I always thought they were very loving and whatever, and I was praying to God about it, and Jesus said everybody loves the people who agree with them, right? right. Everybody loves people who think the way they do. <laughs> he says, but where is the love that sees all mankind as your brothers and sisters? That's the love I want you to seek. And that's the love of Christ. Because remember, I said I was aware that he loved everyone. So one of the things I've learned to understand is if I'm holding negative feelings towards anyone. That's because of me. Because if I could see them the way God sees them, I would feel nothing but love for them, because God sees them perfectly. I see them imperfectly, and so every time I've gotten angry or upset with people, first of all, the spirit backs away when you do that. When you when you when you are argumentative and angry and whatever, I've learned the spirit goes, oh, whoop, whoop, okay, right? You want to be like that? You know, yeah. Do it without me, because I'm not helping you. <laughs> okay. But so I'll pray and I'll say, God, help me to see this person through your eyes and then i'll have inspiration and it'll come over me and it's like it's not like i forgive them it's like there's nothing to forgive i just understand that they're coming from their place of pain and suffering and they don't know christ yet and and it's not my job to judge them it's my job to try to be a light to them and however i can in whatever way to encourage them and try to lift them
0: you know, the Lord, one of the th- other principles that the Lord showed me early on in this process is he he gave me the examples of, Steve, you know, when there are people across the street that are holding signs, demonstrating against your beliefs, and you're on the other side holding your signs, just remember, and this is a message to everyone, just remember that that person across the street is a fellow image bearer. Never lose sight of the fact that they're a fellow image bearer. And that's a principle I've been operating under. Is there are a ton of people that I have on my program that technically I disagree with a lot of what they say. Right. But I don't allow that to get in the way of having a conversation. There are things that you have said that I may not entirely agree with, but that should not be a roadblock to us having these type of conversations. Because I think we can both learn from each other and the audience can also learn things because now I'm I mean, here we have born-again Christian because of the Book of Mormon. Evangelicals, you gotta deal with that. Now we got believer in the Book of Mormon, and because of his beliefs in the Book of Mormon and his encounter in his encounters with um with Christ, led you out of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. You're a very lonely man, <laughs> but I also feel that you are. That you feel that you're loved and that you belong, that the, you you do have a sense of belonging. You are part of a broader community because, in one sense, what the Lord has showed you is that you have brothers and sisters, in in a, in some of the most unimaginable places. And you know that's what struck me when I attended my very first Church of Jesus Christ service. Right, this is a June of last year, and I remember being so touched by these people, and I remember having Josh Gailey, whose father is the president of the church, on my program. And as a, the first interview I did with him, and I told him, I didn't realize I had this family of brothers and sisters that I didn't know existed until I encountered them in their church service, and that was a real privilege because the, the the blinders are taken off, and because I'm not being combative and I'm trying to the old Calvinist in me would try to nitpick, but I have had I've had those scales taken off my eyes and I'm able to recognize fellow brothers and sisters that I did not realize I had, and that's a that's a privilege.
1: Well, like I was telling you before the interview, one of the things, if I ever start to teach anything about spiritual things, and I want to say it here again, I am an imperfect messenger. Me trying to put into words things that I've experienced in the spirit is often very difficult. And of course, the way I put it into words is based on my bias and experience and so forth. So I understand, and I tell people, if something doesn't jive with you, just ignore it okay because because my message isn't to listen to me my message is go to jesus let him fill you with his spirit fill you with his love let him teach you because I, I i i i have had so many bizarre experiences especially with emotional healing and, and one of them i'll just briefly mention here um this lady who had been through a, a lot, okay? Um, and, uh, in this particular one, I was having visions, okay? So it in in this vision, she's saying she's in the in she's talking to Jesus, okay? and and I'm in the room with them, okay? Now, now, what's really happening is she's lying on the floor. I'm next to her. I've got a couple other people in the room with me. We' were trying to help her, and we were helping her process through satanic ritualistic abuse and we after three three three-hour sessions we'd gotten through to this point where she was in the light talking to jesus and and jesus turns to me and whispers in the mirror and says i'm going to ask her to go back where she was and i really don't want her to but i want to see if she's willing to do whatever i ask And if she does, I will seal her up unto eternal life. Then he turns back to her. Now, now remember, this is happening in vision, right? Turns back to her and says, I want you to go back. Now, back to the physical world, she screams out like, no, 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 no. And her mom is in the room. She says, what? She says, he wants me to go back. I can't go back, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and her mom goes, we never should have come here. This is horrible. We can't go to blah, blah, blah. And, and for the next 15 minutes, I watch her struggle with this for 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden, this peace comes over me, over her. She says, I'll do it. Oh, by the way, there was a whole like paragraph or two of things that Jesus said he was going to tell her if she agreed to do this. Like, literally, he, he he gave me this whole little speech, okay? And then, this is 15 minutes later, she's in that room, and she's going, now he's telling me this, and she repeated verbatim the speech I'd heard Jesus give me 15 minutes before. How do you deny that there's a God after you experience something like that? How do you deny that there's a spiritual reality? If it happens because- to you— it would be yeah. very
0: difficult. It would, but then there's an outsider. They'd be like, "Ah, he's full of hogwash." Oh, yeah, he's he gets, just right. crazy. Yeah, right. And it's it, crazy. It, yeah, that's that's fascinating stuff, dude. I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, but but see, here's the thing. Jesus has repeatedly told me, "Do not give them the answers. Do not try to fix their problems. Do not try to solve things for them. Love them, help them, you know. But only do what I inspire you to do for them, and nothing more. Right." because all the healing all the power all love comes from him now i want to i want to say something to the born again christian audience because this was something that years ago when people would ask me um when i still remember the mormon church because i'd be teaching classes on natural healing and i might mention something god created the herbs and i think that they're beneficial and people would come up and say are you a christian and because i Knew that as a Mormon, they would not regard me as a Christian. I would tell them, "I'm I'm a I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ." Okay, but when they asked me, "Are you saved?" I would always say, "Yes." <laughs> but when they asked me, "Are you saved?" I'd always think inside of myself, "From what?" Because of course, in their mind, they're talking about being saved from hell. But what Jesus taught me is He can save us from all the stuff that's going on in our lives now. From all our internal pain and suffering and our addictions and our weaknesses and our sins and our problems all of which we need saving from i've met many people in this life living in hell depression pain and suffering from things they've been through and whatever and i've watched jesus lift them out of hell here now help them help them transform their lives change Overcome problems, obstacles, difficulties, and everything over and over again. Jesus saves, and it's not just from some future peril; it's from the peril we're in right now.
0: Well, uh, that's really uh, I get that, and I, I and I I can I can resonate with that as well. I think that so often the problem is with many Christians in the evangelical world, in particular, is that they're very literal. And they're very, um, they say they're not legalistic, but they are very legalistic because they're very technical about whether somebody's saved or not. But what's so weird is that, you know, the, you'll ask them, well, what is, what is what does it take to be born again? Or what's the born again experience look like? And they'll say, well, you know, you, you the pastor at the end of the service gives an altar call and you go up to the, to the front and then you go and you ask Jesus Christ into your heart and you, uh, you know, say the sinner's prayer, ask Jesus into your heart and yeah, you're, you're you're born again Christian. And I always try to point out to them that that's all 19th century Christianity. None of that's in the Bible. But yet you've made that your standard, but for many of them, of what makes somebody a Christian. And I think we need to step back and say, well, look, if my salvation experience is, is the one that I judge everybody else's by, then I'm probably not really doing this correctly i i, I think that, that that we need to christians you need to take the blinders off on this too that jesus can save in any number of ways and 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 in and, 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 and through processes that you could not imagine because god's grace is so much bigger than anything that you and i could comprehend
1: that that is true it is bigger and his love is more profound than we can imagine uh sure one one other experience with you i was working with someone um she was trying to figure, she'd always suspected she was adopted because she was not, like, didn't fit in with the rest of the people in her family, but nobody would ever admit she was adopted. So she she wound up having this experience of being in the light with Jesus. She she recognized that she was adopted and she didn't care because her, fa- her father had raised her like he was her own, you know, and her father was standing in the light with her in this vision and her mom was outside of the light in the darkness. And she said to me, oh, I, I want to be with my mom. I want to stay in this light, but I want to be with my mom, too. And I said, well, you can't leave the light to go be in the darkness with her. You need to try to encourage her to come in the light and join you. And I said, she said, I know, okay, but she's afraid. She won't come in because she's afraid. By the way, that's what I found over and over again. People are afraid to approach God because inside they know they're sinners. And I have to encourage them. You don't have to be perfect to approach God. You have to acknowledge you are a sinner and then approach him. And then <laughs> he'll help you, right? You don't have to be worthy of his help. He just gives you his help. But I, but anyway, but I said, so she says, I know. She says, I know that's true, but it hurts. And when she said that, I swear, like a beam of light came down through the top of my head, cried my mouth open, and I heard myself say these words. But, but whatever it was working through, said, what you're experiencing is God's pain. The pain of he who dwells in the light and beckons to his children, come to me. Let me heal you. Let me help you. Let me love you. And we stand outside in the dark and say, I can't, I'm afraid. I've never forgotten that. The 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 feeling that I had with that was just this an overwhelming feeling of this longing for God that we come back to him. Just wanting with him. that's the love of Jesus. That's what that's the love that Jesus came to show us. I'm Jesus comes down and says, I'm willing to suffer everything you suffer, ever and more, just to show you that God loves you. He wants you, he wants you back. That is the Christian message. That's the good news.
0: (laughs) Hmm. Wow. Uh, This has been a really fantastic story. Now, I I haven't talked to you about this off camera, but is there a way, if people are interested in contacting you, could could we leave some contact information in in the description uh, if they wish to... Sure,
1: I I have a YouTube channel and there's a free emotional healing course on my YouTube channel. So I'll get you that link. Okay. And also I have a website by name, Stephen with a V horn, H-O-R-N-E.com, but it's about natural healing, not about, you know, this, but I mean, they could sign up for my newsletter or contact me through that. Um, Okay.
0: Yeah. Now I just want you to know folks, I did, he did not approach me saying, Hey, I want to promote my stuff. And this is not about, he wanted to tell his story, but I think it's important that for those of you who are interested in what Stephen is doing, and maybe you want more information. Um, we're going to have links in the description for that. Um, I am. You've given me and my audience a lot of food for thought. Um, because part of me is like, okay, like the old Calvinist me would be, me would be <laughs> like, this guy is some New Agey universalist who's just dressing it up with biblical language right that would be one (laughs) criticism that would be thrown at you um you know you're a wolves in sheep clothing because you're saying these things and all but i get that i can i can see how some would respond that way because i used to be that way but then when i just when i when i can resonate with some of the things same things that happened to you have happened to me there's a there's a sense of being in one accord with you that i also have to take that into account as well and I, and, and so my audience This is highly subjective and, and 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 but that's fine i'm fine with it being subjective <laughs> uh, uh, Stephen, i i just before we wrap this up is there anything else you would like to share with the audience
1: no i just want to testify that jesus is the way the truth and the life and you know, I did kind of wander off when I was not in the church, kind of looking at all different things, new age, yeah. and all these different belief systems and everything. But what brought me back to God was when I saw some stuff that I basically, because because the whole idea of the judgmental punishing God, I couldn't fathom anymore. But then when I, 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 I kind of regained my testimony of the Book of Mormon, which reaffirmed to me that the, the Bible was true. Yeah. Okay, so in other words, that that because the Book of Mormon says the Bible is true. okay, um, and I started to go back and I started to go like, but what about this? What about that? I started to question all these these passages that, you know, seem like a judgmental punishing God. And God started to say, look, I'm not responsible for what takes place down there. You Mm -hmm. are as long as as long as you're doing whatever you want you're going to reap the consequences of what you're sowing. What he wants is for us to turn to him so he can teach us and lift us out of this miserable place. Because obviously there are consequences to misbehavior. There is, it's, it's not, I'm saying that, to, that because God is loving, that we're not going to have problems. I've made wrong choices in my life and I've suffered because of them. Okay. I, I in fact one case I just outright disobeyed what the spirit told me and I had a huge amount of suffering in my life because okay. I disobeyed. Okay? okay. But 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 ultimately God loves us and no matter what we've done and no matter what we are, he's still willing to help us, lift us, pull us through, help us learn from our experiences and give us his love, his peace. He is a loving father who wants the best for us, but he also is allowing us to our own will.
0: Okay. Well, and you know, and one thing I also wanted to touch on something you had said earlier in this thought this is another thing too, is that when people have encounters with the divine, and then the second they start describing it, they're kind of corrupting the experience because we don't yes, have words. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's also I, how we have to look at it too, is that we're, that when the Lord operates through you, You'd still through the lens of who we are, and it's going to, like you said, bring our biases. And so I think, in one sense, it, it, it's it's going. To, it, you can have these divine encounters, but it's going to be a corrupted version that you're going to hear <laughs> when it's being. Well, that's later.
1: right, because honestly, every time I try to put these things in words, I feel like I'm cheapening them and do it not doing them justice. Okay. That's why why. I would prefer to see you go to God and have them for yourself because you'll understand things that there's no way I can put into words. Well,
0: I think that's a lot of good stuff there, dude. I am so honored that you came on the program. I'm so glad that you reached out to me. And I think that audience, a lot of food for thought. I'd love to hear your responses, even from hyper-Calvinists. You tell me where I'm just, you know, I don't care. I want to hear from, from everybody. And, uh, and we're going to have links in the description so that you can maybe look at uh, Stephen's YouTube videos and also get in touch with him via the website. Um, this was great. Uh, uh, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for for having me and letting me tell my story and encourage people to go to Christ.
0: All right, come to Christ. Sounds like a great message, folks. I just want to remind you that uh, there are links in the description if you'd like to support the channel on PayPal as well as Patreon. We do have the merch store, mormonbookreviews.com, which you can buy items on. Um, And uh, just let me know, folks. Give me your uh, feedback on this fascinating episode. And just remember the most important thing. All the voices of the Restoration will be heard here on Mormon Book Reviews.